part of our philosophy is that we receive income from the homeowners on a monthly basis. So therefore, it is the right thing to do to our partners to pay them on a monthly basis. It's just the right thing to do. People need monthly passive income more than ever in today's climate. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another No BS episode right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, The Naked Truth About Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Javier Hinojo. Today, we have a great episode. But before we go into our speaker, into our gentleman that's going to talk to us today about mortgage notes and the fund that he has and to talk about living in Florida as well. Before we chat about that, I want to talk about our billion dollar boardroom mastermind. You should have gotten our emails. They're coming out. Our next meeting is going to be in February 9, 10, and 11 in Guadalajara, Mexico. So it's going to be a great time. We're going to be out there for three days. We're going to have a one day of intense uh, speakers talking about you know how they're finding the projects now, how they're funding them, where they're getting money from, creative ways of buying a commercial real estate from a you know, $2 million property to a $20 million property, how we're structuring our our deals right now, how we're structuring our debt and how we're at, how we're raising our capital. So it's going to be pretty amazing. We've got some great speakers out there. I will let everybody know who our speakers are. And like always, we do very short in the morning, three hours or so of content. And then we go have lunch. We go do an outing. We'll probably do a tequila tour, some farm out there. And then if you drink tequila, well, feel free to Drink as much as you want. We will take we will take care of you. And uh, we come back, have dinner, and then we do the same thing the second day. So it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of connecting. I'll see you at the next Billion Dollar Boardroom Mastermind in February 9th, 10th, 11. There'll be a link on the show notes. Send us a message and we'll get back to you with some more information. Awesome. So I got on the show, Martin Signs. Sign? Sign. How do I pronounce that? Signs. Look at that. I got it right. Awesome. <laughs> he is in Sarasota, Florida. And we were just having a conversation about that. They do a mortgage note, notes. They have a uh, income fund, which I'm going to ask about that as well. But I'm going to let him introduce himself to you guys. Go ahead. Yes. Hi. Um, Martin Signs out of Sarasota. I live here with my wife and four children and run a company, Bequest Funds. We have a 25-person operation here ran by uh, my partner and myself. And yeah, we're all about creating monthly passive income for families. And and so our um, you know, one of our taglines is helping every family in North America achieve monthly passive income through real estate notes. And that's that's what we're passionate about. Awesome. Okay, great. So why don't you explain to me what a real estate note is, right? Talk to me like I'm three years old. And I, I really mean it. No, no. Oh, no. Um, not at all. I mean, this is a subject. It's, you know, I've been doing this for years. So it's taken a long time to really just kind of put all the pieces together. But essentially, a uh, if you take a person that's looking to buy a home and they go to the bank or a lender and they fill out an application and go through the underwriting process, at some point when they get to the closing table, they are going to sign a promissory note. So that's going to be a note that's going to say, well, the lender's lending you money and you're going to pay it back. And these are the terms involved. And associated with that promissory note, the homeowner, the borrower is going to sign a deed of trust or a mortgage document. 
And what that is, it's it's a an instrument that's going to tie that promise from the promissory note to a collateral, such as the the home that the person's going to move into. And so that mortgage document or deed of trust, that is going to tie the promise to the property. And so what happens is over time, you have about 4% of all loans that originated with Fannie and Freddie guideline, underwriting guidelines. They go, these mortgages go into default and the homeowner stops making payments. So what a lender will do is over time is they'll bundle these non-performing mortgages in a pool called a tranche and they'll sell them off into the secondary mortgage market to a company like ours. We have a private fund and you know we will buy in pools of these mortgages at a discount. Then we will take these mortgages, we will have outreach to the homeowner, find out where they are today, help them back on their feet with a payment plan that works for them and is sustainable. And it in turn creates a cash flow stream for our company. And so that is one side of our industry that we've operated for the past 10 years. Awesome. Okay. So non-performing notes, you guys buy them and you guys work out a plan to, you know, hopefully the homeowner can stay. So what happens on these, with these folks that they just can't stay, right? They can't afford it. Maybe they had a death, divorce, right? You know, disease yeah. kind of fortunate events, or they're just don't want to pay, right? I mean, you know, I mean, so yeah. what these folks, I mean, do you guys foreclose on these homes or, or what's the outcome? Yeah. So we have the option to, you have two exits from a, uh, or two resolutions that can occur with owning a mortgage that's in default. You can exit through the homeowner in the form of a loan modification, or they can sell the property and make you whole, or you can, they can sign a deed in lieu and sign over the property to you as a lender. And you also can exit through the property via foreclosure. And so there are companies where their model is to exit through the property. That's their focus because you get a quicker turnaround, a good you know capital play, you 2X, 3X your money within 12 months, 24 months, that kind of thing. But we've built our model on compassion. And so what we strive to do is in every circumstance is we look to be as creative as possible to help form a loan modification or some type of plan or arrangement to keep the homeowner and their family in the home while creating a cash flow stream for our company. And so that that's our model on the private side. Now it's almost like an incubator fund in that in that you know we are looking to go and convert non-performing mortgages into performing mortgages. And then like an incubator, just watch the process closely, make sure that the homeowners are paying on time and those mortgages become re-seasoned. Awesome. Okay. Now, um, are you guys buying 10 at a time, 150, depends, certain parts of the country, all over, just Florida? Kind of tell me about your, your area, your acquisition. Yeah. So we currently have about 35 million assets under management in that in the private fund. And there's no investor capital. Uh, my partner and I own that outright, and we buy mortgages from all over the U.S. And we we try to focus on suburban and tertiary markets, and we try to focus on owner occupied properties. Okay, because you're you're really not you know there has got to be an emotional connection, emotional equity. For if I'm going to 
you know, if we're going to approach someone and try to work out a plan to keep them in their home, well, if they're an investor, they're not in the home to begin with. So there's a distance there, if you will. Okay. So now we've had a pretty, a pretty hot market, right? Last four or five, six years, right? So there's still been some foreclosures out there, right? Not as heavy as they were in 2008. So kind of tell me, you know, where do you guys see the amount of, are you seeing a little more deal flow now? Just interest rates are changing. Anybody who got an adjustable mortgage a couple of years ago at a 2%, right? Now it's other paying three times as much for their mortgage. So what are you guys seeing right now in the market? So since we buy mortgages that were originated years in the past, we're not really affected with what's going on in, in today's market. What does affect us about what goes on in today's market is fair market values. So as the market got hotter, you know, four or five years ago, the pricing for these distressed mortgages increased. So because the value of the distressed mortgages increased, increased. So if you have, um, for example, if you own a hundred thousand dollar mortgage, so a hundred thousand dollars is the unpaid principal balance and the property's worth 200,000, then you have a hundred thousand dollar equity cushion. But in this hot market, let's say that $200,000 home is now worth 300,000. Well, the value of your $100,000 mortgage that you bought increases because there's more equity coverage and there's a greater likelihood the homeowner is going to work with you and so forth. And there's a greater likelihood if you have to foreclose, you'll recoup your initial investment or your full capital investment. Sure. Now, uh, during COVID, when they kind of put a kind of block on foreclosures and things like that, how did you guys work through that? You guys were able to work through that or talk to me about COVID? Yeah. So, so two things occurred. For one, you know, there's moratoriums on a state by state level and that we had to adhere to. And so we had to be strategic and mindful of the foreclosure processes and how, how our outreach was conducted during those lockdown times. And so to be in compliance, and it was just kind of the right thing to do in general anyway. So that was kind of one side of the business. The other side was that we actually created um, more unique or proprietary strategies for working out programs and plans with the homeowners to keep them in their home. So it actually forced our hand to be more creative in general. And then it helped us on the project management side, better manage um, you know, legal activity, better manage borrower outreach from a systems perspective. Awesome. So we we still profited. We grew as a company. We grew all throughout COVID. We grew as a company with our assets under management and and in every way. Well, I heard you mentioned that you guys have uh, Bequest. Is that the name of the fund? Yes. Okay. It's just your partner and yourself. You guys don't have any investors. Is that okay? So on the private fund side, it's just owned by my partner and I. Now, we also have a separate entity called Bequest Funds. And what happened is 2017, I wrote a book called Node Investing Made Easier. And I've since written a few other books on the mortgage note on the passive income industry. And, and so um, as a result, we've had, you know, I've had people just reach out to me on an ongoing basis. They want to learn more. And what I found is there's a group of people that like doctors and lawyers, high paid professions, they don't want to do what I do. They don't want the compliance. They don't want, you know, to start a business. They don't want to hire people. But what they do want 
is monthly passive income. So as a result, in 2020, we launched the income fund, Bequest Income Fund, that buys these re-seasoned mortgages from other companies like ourselves from around the country. And, and we buy them into the income fund at an 11, 12, 13% yield, by which we're able to pay back a 9% preferred return to investors making the payments on a monthly basis. Oh, yeah, that's really good because um, you actually have an asset that's going to produce the money to actually get you guys those returns. So that is pretty cool. And it's ongoing. You guys paying out monthly, quarterly? How are you guys paying these out? We pay monthly. And why we do, it's intentional. And part of our philosophy is that we receive income from the homeowners on a monthly basis. So therefore, it is the right thing to do to our partners to pay them on a monthly basis. And by the way, by say partners, I'm actually the largest investor in the fund along with my partner. So we have our own cash in the fund as well. So it's just the right thing to do. I, I don't agree with any operator that's kind of receiving money monthly and then they're paying their investors quarterly, semi-annually. It's just better. You know, you get the money monthly, you pay out the money monthly. People need monthly passive income more than ever in today's climate. For sure. And uh, so how does somebody find more information about that fund, right? We got some business professionals out there. Maybe you have some folks that took some money out of the stock market. Uh, maybe you know, you just got some extra capital and they want to make their 8%, 9%, right? It's just, that's a great return. Yeah. Yeah. So you just reach out to me at martin at bqfunds.com or go to the website bqfunds.com. And I'll, I'll say this, because I know your audience is made up with a lot of uh, real estate investors. About 70% of our investors are real estate investors slash entrepreneurs. So these are individuals, as, as you know yourself, that work extremely hard for the money they earn. So you get to a point in life where you're like, wow, I, I'm just looking for additional money that I don't have to work as hard for. Ah, oh, sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you worked hard and you want to, you know, the volatility of the stock market. I mean, when it's hot, it's hot. But then if it drops 30%, well, there goes 30% of your money. I mean, then when did you jump in putting money in the stock market, right? I mean, long term, you'll be okay. But it's just uh, you know, no biter, right? You're you're yeah. <laughs> all the political unrest and and everything, right? Elections and interest rates and inflation. So, you know, definitely, you know, I am a real estate guy, so I am biased on the real estate side, right? Especially if you do it the right way. Uh, you got a plan, you got an exit, multiple exit strategies. I'm not mentioned you've already mentioned that a few times. You have certain different ways to tackle every single investment or any kind of challenge to kind of get you know the best return, which is which is awesome. Right. So in real estate does give you kind of that those options of Yeah. Having- and and you're getting those rewards, like what you're mentioning with real estate. I, I'm I've been a landlord for 15 years, both on the commercial and residential side. And so I understand like there it can be very lucrative. You flip a house, you landlord over time and the property as you know escalates in, in value and all that's great. But you know, there is something to be said, like with with an income fund, whether it's Bequest or some other option, where you are also kind of building in a slow and steady fashion too along the journey of of real estate investing. Hey, Martin, wh- why don't you explain to me what an income fund is? Sure, it's a fund that produces income on a periodic basis in a cons- so in a consistent manner. So some income funds they'll pay out monthly, quarterly, semi-annually or annually. 
but there's some level of consistency with the income. And the focus of the of the fund is to acquire assets that produce income by which to transfer to the investor at some point versus more of like an equity upside type investment where you're trying to buy low, sell high, or, or you're invested into that into that opportunity for some form of appreciation. Okay. All right. Perfect. So as you've seen uh, the rates going up right now and, you know, some pretty much every market now, some, I, I get emails, right? And, and I, I put this on Facebook and social media the other day. Hey, the most common email I'm getting subject line from brokers the last 30 days is price reduced, right? Like <laughs> in a while, my subject line, price reduced, bam, price reduced, bam. You know, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, great. So see, I don't really do single family, but I'm seeing that my wife's a single family broker. And uh, we used to do a lot of single family, so I still stay on top of it for the most I, for the most part. One of my kids is buying a house, so we've been working on that last few months. And I said, hey, just keep waiting a little bit because they're going to keep dropping. Yes. And we see some nice declines on the values because you know they were really kind of it was it was just pushing it was really really unrealistic some of these values. But with the interest rates going higher, the property values coming down. Are you guys seeing any more uh, any any uh, larger default like on mortgages? Have you guys seen any trend yet, or is it still lagging? It's still lagging because you have um, if you think about it, you have someone that originates a mortgage recently um, over uh, you know this year for uh, for example, and they originated a six percent mortgage and, uh, on a thirty year fixed and. So that may put someone in some type of financial predicament because they could afford that house when they were first looking for a house at 4% now, but they have to move somewhere. So they're taking a 6%. So there's going to be more, less disposable income, higher levels of distress that are going to come out of that. However, lenders and are going to hold on to that paper and try to work through it with the homeowners. And that could take a few years before these types of mortgages trickle down into the secondary mortgage market to someone like our company that's able to acquire them at a discount. Okay. So usually when you're acquiring some of these default mortgages, are these six months old, a year, a year and a half, or or what's kind of that default time, right? That they've been on default or does it vary? Yeah. So on average, about four years. Okay. Great. Okay. So you're going to, so anybody who possibly got a mortgage say last year in 21, and if you guys won't see that till 25. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just going to be because of the interest rates at 6%. It's going to be layoffs are coming. I think we all kind of see that. You'll see an escalation of that. You'll see more cash-strapped companies that haven't operated off of income in a long time. They've just operated off of cheap money. You're going to see that coming. The zombie companies, you're going to see that coming to fruition. And so it's not just consumers strapped. It's going to be businesses that are strapped and I think it's all about to really come down pretty hard. Yeah. So inflation is still, still rampant, right? Still not really slowing down. You know, it's, we got another interest rate hike here next month in December and another one in Q1. And I don't know how many more in, in 2023 until the inflation slows down a little bit or they can put a stop to that. So will we see 8% interest rates? Probably. Will we see nine? I have no idea. I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> but, uh, you know, definitely inflation is still here. Everything's still costing more. You know, every time we go to the store, everything's just more expensive, right? And yeah, and when they and when they turn the money printer on again and they pivot from where we're at with the easing, then there's just going to be you know more more money in circulation again, which is what got us in this trouble, you know, to begin with. 
And so you're just going to see inflation hit. I, I don't know that there's much that can be done about that. I mean, and then you have a government that's passing reduction, inflation reduction acts when they're spending bills and, you know, you can't spend your way out of inflation I and mean, you're spending your know, government spending increases that increases inflation. So it's just, everyone's just, I, I don't know that, that anyone's really working towards the good of, of uh, I think, I think they're just kicking the society. can out the road. They're kicking the can out the road. And-, and it's every country. It's not even like a U.S. thing. I mean, every country's in the same predicament. For sure. Well, tell us again how we can get a hold of you. Yeah. So martin at bqfunds.com. And if anyone emails me, I do have a living financial statement I've created and helps me kind of keep on track. I'll be happy to send that to you. Um, I don't even care if you reach out regarding Bequest or the income fund. If you just have any general question, I you know love helping people. So, so I'll tell be me happy about that financial respond. statement because we did chat a little bit about that. Tell me, what is that? Yeah. So I, I'm a big believer in in maintaining a financial statement for you and your family and having that updated on a weekly basis and meeting with your spouse, your accountability partners, your coaches on that, projecting out goals from it, understanding your why, getting your financial house in order is really what I'm passionate about. So it's not just monthly passive income. That's one component of getting your house in order. Um, but I'm just uh, a big proponent of financial literacy. And I think this statement can help anyone who's kind of just uh, waffling around and and not really having kind of a foundation to build off of financially. Awesome. Well, reach out to Martin if you want a copy of that, which is uh, sounds sounds uh, very interesting for sure. As a real estate investor, you definitely have to have, especially if you're getting consistent loans, you got to have your personal financial statement updated. I don't do it on a weekly basis, but we do it the first week of every every month, right? It's due for my staff. It's due on the, it's due on the seventh uh, of the month, right? Make sure everything's updated, all the counts, you know, and um, and then we finalize it on the 15th, just kind of like uh, all our properties, right? So, and our my personal one as well. So we got to keep Great. up to date. When it's, uh, you're going to get a loan, uh, your lender will love you if you have everything organized. So will your personal finance, uh, your financial planner, your CPA, everybody, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Martin, anything else before I go to the favorite part of my show? Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nope. I appreciate you having me on, Javier. Oh, well, it's just nice to have you. And uh, I'm going to share my screen. Let me know when you see it. Yes. All right. So this is my favorite part of the show. This is called The Naked Truth Roulette. Okay. It's got nothing to do with real estate. It's got nothing to do with business. It's just three random questions that we're going to ask you just so people know you're not a robot, right? You're not, you know, you got a fund, you got people on your team. Like, you know, what does it take, right? You know, it's just, we're all normal human beings, right? And, and, you know, we all have our own lives. We have a business, we have our own lives, right? We still, we still deal with where the life. So this is a uh, super cool for me to do. Nice. I'm not a robot, but I'm pretty boring. So I hope I can make this you know exciting. On a personal level. <laughs> So let's roll. Here we go. First question. Let's roll. All right. How do you feel uh, pineapple on your pizza? I love it. <laughs> All right. Look at that. Think about it. I love it. I, you know, it's a 50-50. It's, like, it's been about 50-50. Some people don't like it. Some people love it, right? Now I heard ketchup on the pizza. I'm going to say no to that. Okay. Yeah. I've heard about that. So we, we were in um, Italy this summer and it was funny next to the hotel we were staying at on their menu, on their online menu, it said, we do not put pineapple on pizza. You know, it was so funny. <laughs> oh, 
it was like, okay, I guess a lot of probably Americans <laughs> asked for that. So anyways, all right, let's go. Question number two. All right. There is a zombie apocalypse and you can have three people with you. Who would they be? It would be my, my wife and uh, my business partner. And I would say uh, my oldest son. Martin, you are a better person than I am. When I uh, answered this question myself, uh, I didn't real. First of all, I didn't realize that my wife could hear me uh, downstairs, and uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, "I'm like, we got to repopulate the world." I said, "Scarlett Johansson." I said, Jen- oh. "Jessica Alba, and the, the super superwoman lady." You know, Gail got it right. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> "You go straight so, for the population." Was, I've been married 25 years, almost 25 years, Martin. I'm walking down and she's looking at me like, I heard you. I'm like, oh, what did you hear? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you definitely think she doesn't know. <laughs> person, better person than I am. So awesome. All right. She would have said you, you know that. Yeah, she would have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm thinking about doing the most controversial, most daring, risky interview on my podcast, which is my wife. So I've been considering <laughs> that right now. She won't hold back. All right, here we go. Last question for Martin. All right. What is the last show that you binge watched? Undercover Billionaire season one. Season one, Undercover Billionaire. Awesome. Okay. And uh, you just watch it back to back. How many? How long did you take you? A week? A couple oh, of days? It's pathetic. Um, for 10 episodes, it probably took us two months. I watched like one hour TV a week. Okay. <laughs> Told That's you I was boring. I've never heard anybody binge watch a show for 10 hours. It was, yeah. You know what? It, it's relative, right? For you, it could be two months. That's a long time for you. Yeah. Right. Some people do it in a day, you know. So no, there's no day action. I got four little kids. <laughs> there's no day action. There you go. Well, Martin, thank you so much for answering these questions and surviving the naked truth roulette. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. Uh, hope to meet you someday out in Florida, sunny uh, Sarasota. I heard it's beautiful, never been, and uh, just uh, hope to connect with you sometime. Come out and see me. You have a, you can come here. We'd love to show you the place and uh, let me know when, when that can happen. Awesome. appreciate it. Everybody check out the links below, get a hold of Martin. You have any questions on his financial spreadsheet, uh, personal financial spreadsheet. Also, you've got a questions about his fund and don't forget to just check all the links below on the show notes. Don't lose your shirt. I am Javier, your host. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician. You don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? Because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link, so they're going to send me a kickback. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you can either download it as an Excel or you can put it on monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks for everybody. It's, uh, it's actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's a really cool Monday, like the day, monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode.